Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the Denver Broncos. This is the Broncos Wire podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Now, your host, Ryan O'Leary and Broncos Wire editor, John Heath. Bridgewater, hit on the release, it's caught near side, Tim Patrick for the touchdown. Lawrence, another deep ball. Was it picked? Yes, it was. Pat has the pick for Denver. Well, how about that? Another great game from Teddy Bridgewater, John. Another solid effort from the defense. The uh, the number nine overall pick, Pat Sertan, picking off Trevor Lawrence. So uh, two road wins to start the season. It's pretty sweet. Yeah, you have to feel good in, in Broncos country right now, even if you're not playing great opponents to start the year off. 2-0, and it feels really nice. And you just played that clip there of Pat Sertan. That was an impressive interception. And for Like, he's a rookie ninth overall pick. Like, you expect him to come out and be ready to play. But honestly, in his first – in his NFL debut, he allowed a touchdown pass. And then early in his first start, he had, like, a long pass interference. And I was like – like, I think long-term he's awesome. But I was like, yeah, there might be some growing pains with this guy. But then after that, early in the game after that, he really, I thought, clicked on – the way he manipulated his body like that wasn't an easy pick at all. I thought he did a great job with that a great job, keeping his feet in bounds and just in coverage in general, he did well as well. So Pat Sertan, his first start, like looks like they're good with, with Ronald Darby out for a little bit and Bridgewater. He's, I was so glad that Tim Patrick scored because last, like I literally was thinking about in the game. I was like, man, on the podcast, <laughs> I kind of poo pooed Cortland Sutton's fantasy outlook to Ryan. And then he's just going off. And I was like, I think Tim Patrick might be the guy to play. And then Patrick scored. And I was like, okay, at least Patrick has a touchdown, even if Sutton has this crazy stat line. So for my fantasy advice, I was glad that I didn't steer people too wrong. Cause at least Patrick got in the end zone, but yeah, being two and oh, like, Yes, they're not facing tough teams at the moment, but you only play who's on your schedule. And be, we'd be really mad if they were 0-2 or 1-1. So they're doing what they're supposed to do. Yeah, they're in an impossible spot, John, because if they lost one of these games, we'd be ripping the crap out of them. But they're 2-0, and and I, you know, I'm not going to say that they, there should be an asterisk. I think that's too far, and I know Broncos fans would kill me for that. I'm not going to say that. <laughs> but we got to keep it in perspective. And I thought Bridgewater... To his credit, I mean, the more I see and listen to that kid after the, you know, in the postgame pressers, the more I like him. And he said it. He's like, hey, look, we're, it's good to be 2-0, and but we weren't great. We weren't great on third down. We settled for some field goals. We let up a special team score, which I want to get into here coming up. But, you know, it's just kind of pumping the brakes a little bit. And I know, like, it's hard to do that when you win two games on the road. You look good doing it on both sides of the football, offensive defense, I should say. You know, it's hard not to get excited. And you're, you're one of two 
teams that are undefeated in the entire AFC. That includes the Bills, the Chiefs, all these teams. It's freaking awesome. And who, who are you tied with? The Raiders. You're both 2-0. and That's it. So how awesome is that little stat? But we have to be honest with ourselves, right, John? The Giants are a complete dumpster fire, which, you know, the whole country got to witness firsthand on this past Thursday night. Like, that team is just – they can't do anything right. The Jags are still years away from relevance, and you just hope that they don't ruin Trevor Lawrence. I, th- I think, you know, yeah. you, you hope he's got a shot to be a great quarterback in this league, but you just hope the Jags don't ruin him. And your opponent here coming up, the Jets, which we'll, we'll dive into this matchup a little bit more coming up. I mean, they're two weeks into ruining Zach Wilson, the, the number two overall pick. I, you know, I'm out here in New England, so I watched all, the entire game against the Patriots. I tried to stay awake for it, John. It was a very boring football game. The only thing worth watching was Wilson throw the football to the Patriots four times. His first two passes were intercepted. So the poor, you know, the poor Zach Wilson is like getting no coaching over there. The Jets, they have no idea what's going on in the, in the Jets. And this is your next opponent. So the Broncos are already 3-0, I mean, basically in my book. I, oh I think my. I've already got them 3-0. And I just got to gotta pump the brakes, John. I hate to be that guy, but I'm still not sure how good this team is. I know they're, I know they're a playoff contender, and I know they're going to challenge in the AFC. I just don't know how great of a team they are, how big of a contender they are yet. I need to see better competition. I need to see them go up against a real football team, a real program, before I'm ready to go all in, right? Like right now, I'm still holding back. Yeah, I think it's funny you say pump the brakes, but you're already giving them the Jets game. Like, they're three I, I get what you're, No, they're three yeah, now. I get what you're saying. Like, we shouldn't get carried away to say like, oh, we're winning the AFC West or even bigger than that. Oh, we're going to the Super Bowl this year. Like, I, I get where you're coming from because they're not a perfect team. Like, even though they beat up the Giants and they beat up the Jaguars, like, neither game was perfect. And you mentioned, like, Bridgewater alluded to on third down, that has not been good enough for them on offense specifically. Like, defense, I feel like defense for the most part, there hasn't been a lot of hiccups. But on offense, like, they're moving the ball and they're scoring points. But a couple times they've been having to settle for field goals. And they're five for five on fourth down this season. And that's great. It's like, oh, awesome. We can pick up fourth downs. But you feel like you're not you're not going to keep 100% on no, fourth down throughout the season. It'll even you, out. Exactly. So you can't rely on that. You Just against the Jags on Sunday, I, I'm blanking on the number off the top of my head. But third downs, they just had a really poor percentage. And against the Jaguars, who are a bad team, and against the Giants, who are a bad team, you can get away with you know, being like three for 10 or three for 11 on third down. Like you can get by it because your opponent is so bad. But when you come up, like we got the Ravens coming up, you got the Steelers coming up, you're going to play the Chiefs twice this season. Once they start facing these tougher opponents, stuff like third down conversion rate, that's got to pick up. So the Broncos, it's not all sunshine, lollipops and rainbows because they got their issues. But the good news is we're seeing these issues early in the season and games were able to win anyway. So if they can correct them and get that ready for like the Ravens and Steelers coming up, and if they are able to beat the Jets like you've already given to them, if you start the year 3-0, and that gives you a nice little cushion, and hopefully it gives you some momentum that you can carry it into the games that are going to be a tougher challenge for them. Yeah, it is great being 3-0 and before you play three games. John, it's a neat <laughs> trick that the Broncos have pulled off here. Uh, but no, there's, there is a lot to love. The quarterback, it's hard not to love that guy. It's good to see Cortland Sutton bounce back this week. It's good to see Vaughn Miller Big healthy time. and all that. But there is one area in particular that we can nitpick, and that is so six minutes left, John. You're up 23-7 to on the road in Jacksonville. You're salting away a nice road win, and you let the Jaguars return a kickoff for a touchdown. It's like, 
Oh, as a fan, you're watching it and you're like, oh, crap, I have to like, I have to pay attention again. Like this game's over. And now you got to get back on the edge of your seat and be like, all right, we got to we got to close this thing out. It's just the one thing you cannot do. And so you jog back and I, and I see on Twitter people just crushing the special teams. So you start to look at it a little bit closer. You gave up a 38 yard kick return to the Giants in week one. So you're giving up when you add it all together over 40 yards per kick return right now uh, through two weeks. And I know small sample size, but still in today's NFL with the new oh, rules on blocking. Position, yeah. yeah, it's terrible. Like, you just don't see these long kickoff returns and it keeps happening to the Broncos. When you play a good team like Baltimore here coming up, yep, at, you know, yep. that's the next game. We've already put the Jets away, right? So the next game is the <laughs> Ravens. Uh, when you play that team, you're, you're going to get bitten in the ass for giving Lamar Jackson a short field. So that's something they got to clean up and and I don't know where you start. Do you start with the uh, the coordinator there, Tom McMahon? Like, what do you think, John? How do they fix the special teams problem? Because right now it's among the you know the poorest in the league. Yeah, I think Tom McMahon. He has to be on the hot seat. He has to be because they brought him in in 2018, and since that time on uh, kickoffs and punt returns, they've allowed five kick returns for touchdowns since 2018. No team in the NFL has allowed more returns for touchdowns yeah, than stat. the Broncos. That's rough. Yeah. And that whole time, it's been the same special teams coordinator. And like, I, I like it's people's livelihood. It's like how he makes his living. So it's tough to say somebody's got to be fired. But like, this is the NFL. Like, you've got to deliver results. And if you don't deliver results, your job is on the line. Like, I know the players got to execute. And the Broncos, they even, after 53 man rosters, like with their waiver claims, they brought in two guys specifically just to help on special teams. But it's still not enough. At some point, it can't be an excuse of, well, we don't have good enough guys. It's like uh, you got to work with what you have, especially because it's not just this year that they don't have the good enough guys. It's 2020. It's 2019 and 2018. Like this is a trend now. It's been the same coordinator the whole time. And special teams has been a problem the whole time. So maybe they don't fire him right now because they may not have an in-house candidate who's ready to go. But like by season's end, if this doesn't get a lot better, I think he's definitely going to be on the hot seat. And if this is bad, like if it remains bad, like mid season, they might let him go during the season. I think his seat is definitely warm right now. Yeah, well, at least, John, it's a good time to to work on some special teams issues against the Jets, right? So let's just, you know, get these wrinkles ironed out here this week and then move on. But yeah, no, there's no doubt they got to they got to clean that thing up. I don't know what it is. Is it a new coordinator? Is it throwing more coaches at it, changing the personnel like they got to figure that thing out because you, you can't be giving up 40 yards per kick return. Uh, that's just doom in today's NFL. I don't care how good you are in offensive defense, but uh, the quarterback has been really good. And he's been throwing the football downfield, which is, you know, one thing that people, the the one knock people have on Teddy Bridgewater is he doesn't throw the football. He's not aggressive enough. Well, he's changing that narrative uh, this season. John and I will talk about that coming up next. This is the Typico Sportsbook Fantasy Minute. Let's make this interesting. Interesting. Orbanini of TheHuddle.com here to talk to you about fantasy football strong plays for week number three. New York Giants quarterback Daniel Jones versus the Atlanta Falcons. Saquon Barkley saw a little more action in week two, but he still isn't 100% yet. Jones' ability to run the ball brings an added bonus to fantasy, and it never hurts to see him face the worst defense of his position. Atlanta has given up eight touchdowns in two games to quarterbacks through the air without picking off a pass. Jones has the weaponry, and it'll be really surprising if he doesn't approach 275 yards and two touchdowns in this game. 
Baltimore Ravens running back Tyson Williams takes on the Detroit Lions on the road. This is the worst defense of the position, and even excluding Aaron Jones' three receiving touchdowns, since that's not really Williams' game, we still have one of the easiest matchups of the week. After kind of disappearing in the second half of week one, Williams remained involved in last week's game, and he finished with 93 yards of total offense on his 15 touches. While Lamar Jackson is always a threat to steal a touchdown, Williams has a really good shot at getting into the end zone. Philadelphia Eagles wide receiver Jalen Rager at the Dallas Cowboys. A strong week one, and then he disappeared a little bit last week. But this matchup is ideal. Dallas doesn't have a great pass rush. It's weak on the back end. Quarterback Jalen Hurts will have time to go through his reads. And even if he doesn't, he's so dangerous on the run in the scramble drill, which benefits the downfield Rager. Philadelphia could be asked to pass more than usual in this one. Dallas has given up the third most yards to wide receivers through two games, and one out of every less than 11 completions is actually a touchdown by wide receivers. Let's go back and pick on the Detroit Lions a little bit more. Normally I avoid household names, but tight end Mark Andrews has been in kind of a slump. Fantasy gamers may start to get restless if he doesn't find the end zone soon. He has not scored in his last six appearances, including last year's postseason, and Andrews has a mere two touchdown catches over his last 13 outings. While it's easy to understand the frustration, especially in non-PPR scoring, Andrews shouldn't leave lineups just yet. Detroit has permitted only seven catches through two games to tight ends, but the 130 yards generated ranks 10th and one touchdown against came last week from Robert Tunyon. Lock the veteran tight end in for one more week. For more award-winning fantasy news, tips, and advice, please be sure to check out thehuddle.com. That was your typical sportsbook fantasy minute. Win your fantasy football league with thehuddle.com and use them to dominate player prop bets at Typico Sportsbook. For a limited time, new Typico Sportsbook users in Colorado and New Jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast. See typico.com for terms and conditions. 21 plus only gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. All right. Welcome back to the Broncos Wire podcast. Uh, appreciate all our listeners. If you found this uh, pod in one of the embedded players in one of John's great articles on Broncos Wire, uh, find us on your phone, wherever you get your podcast. Hit the subscribe button. Leave us a review. We appreciate all of you. Um, right before the break, John, we were talking about Teddy Bridgewater, and you know we were kind of crapping on Tom McMahon, the special teams coordinator. I want to give flowers, though, to Pat Shermer. Teddy Bridgewater, not known as a downfield specialist, right? He's kind of been known as a game manager who manages the pocket, throws the short ball well, accurate, but he's not a guy that's really super aggressive and is going to challenge defenses, but Teams know this. They know the they know the script on Teddy Bridgewater. They're packing the box. They're gearing up for these short passes, and Bridgewater is going down the field on with one on one coverage. Right, he's actually leads the NFL in attempts over twenty hearts, and every time he throws it, John, it's seen, even if it doesn't connect, it's like there's only one defender. He's it's always a one on one thing. It's never a dangerous pass. It's usually either a catch, an incompletion, or a flag. So I like this. The Broncos have been doing it. And again, I got to give credit to Pat Shermer and I got to pat Teddy Bridgewater on the back for challenging defenses down the field. I mean, you got to, you know, eventually they're going to have to ease up because they keep throwing it. Yep. He's taken the shots that are there. And I love that so much. And I think it's largely because Vic Fangio, he said after after the game on Sunday, it was along the lines of the first two defenses they've played have gone to extreme measures to stop the run. And I think that one tells you teams are giving a lot of respect to Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams. And that makes sense because they're two good backs. Yep, they should. But two, I think that says they have no respect for Teddy Bridgewater. Like you, like you are mentioned 
I think teams kind of bought into the narrative that, hey, Bridgewater, he's not going to beat us deep. So let's stack the box, shut down their two running backs, and force him to beat us over the top. And the Broncos are said, okay, Teddy, go beat him over the top. And he has. Like you said, they're not connecting on all of them, but they're high percentage in that he's not chucking it into coverage because defenses are so sucked into the box. You've got Cortland Sutton running one-on-one with a cornerback or even one-on-one with a safety, and Teddy Bridgewater says, I like those odds. Definitely. And you don't connect on every one, but like you mentioned, sometimes you'll get a pass interference, and sometimes they will catch him, and it's a huge chunk play. And the more they do that, like you mentioned, Bridgewater, he has the most 20-yard shots in the NFL. Teams, at some point, they're going to have to say, okay, Bridgewater, he's taking these shots. We can't just stack the box anymore because we've seen on film he he has an arm. He can throw it. So then if they start to give him a little more respect, then that's going to open up the run game. And we've like it's only been flashes because teams have kind of clamped down. Besides Melvin Gordon, he did have a 70-yard run in week one, but that was kind of late in the game when they were worn down. But like last week against the Jags, they gave up a handful of like seven, 10-yard runs. But for the most part, they kind of kept the run game in check. But the, and on the reverse of that, Bridgewater was able to open things up downfield. So say the Jets, if they're like, okay, Bridgewater is throwing the ball deep, we got to be prepared for that. Then I think Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams, they're going to go off. So I think it's a really nice situation that the offense is in because the Bridgewater has proven that he's not just a dink and dunk guy. Like he has the arm. The Broncos have the weapons like Cortland Sutton. He's completely back. Like his knee is good to go. Like I was wrong. I thought last week uh, I was kind of saying, mm, I don't know. I don't think he's completely back yet. I wouldn't really trust him in fantasy. And he's like, don't trust me in fantasy. I'll show <laughs> you to trust me in fantasy, John. Yeah, so I Cortland's I back. I started him. <laughs> That's my fault. Probably. <laughs> yeah. But Cortland, he's all the way back. No offense, he's a weapon. You know, Tim Patrick, he can still make plays. And K.J. Hamler, obviously, his, he's got his speed. And at some point, Jerry Judy will come back. So on offense, I'm very happy with how they've been trending through two games. No, I love it. I was, I'm was i taking the L right now on Teddy Bridgewater. My commentary when they named him the starter was that he's not going to attempt those balls. He's just not interested. And he is. And that's a huge development. I love that. It, it's just... Good for him, good for Pat Shermer, good for the Broncos for testing teams on those one-on-one cover. you, you got to throw that when it's there, and they are, and they're doing it more than any other team, as you said, John. So good for them. That's the good news. The bad news is we do have some injuries, right? Now, the entire defense isn't injured, uh, like last year, <laughs> but uh, these are some, some key players are banged up. Bradley Chubb uh, re-aggravated his ankle injury, John, and Josie Jewell, torn peck, uh, expected to be out for the season. That's a big blow. I'm not sure exactly what the latest news on Chubb is, but these are if you know if he's going to miss some time, these are two tough losses for the defense to say the least. Yeah, with Chubb, it's it's kind of up in the air. I'm I'm not sure that right now even the Broncos know what his immediate status is. I think he's got they're they're kind of going to be day to day with him and kind of see where it goes because I think. Uh, his ankle, it was kind of a lingering problem. And then to tweak it a little bit, make it a little bit worse, like they already were kind of iffy, like it, is it healed? And now it's like it just throws a wrench in that. So Chubb, we're going to have to follow. Like he might be uh, he might be looking at missing another game. He may even be looking at missing a couple games. I don't want to speculate too much because we just don't know yet. But Chubb, I think at this very moment, we can't count on him being available. But the one nice thing at outside linebacker is they have Malik Reed. And he's a guy, he had like eight sacks filling in for Von Miller last year. So Malik Reed, he can do the job. Obviously, 
you want to have Bradley Chubb and uh, it is a drop off, but Reed, he's a capable guy to step up and fill in for him. So it's nice that they have that depth there. And then with Josie Jewell, I think they're really going to miss him uh, particularly against the run because he was a pretty good run stuffer, at least in my mind. And I think he got better in coverage, but he's still, he's still not an amazing cover linebacker. And it's interesting because the guy that's going to step up for him, Justin Stranad, last year they drafted him. I think it was like the fifth round out of Wake Forest. And he's a guy that went back when he was in high school, when he was younger, he used to be a safety. And so he was viewed as a pretty good cover inside linebacker. And that had a bunch of fans in Broncos country really excited because for years, the Broncos, they've been missing a cover linebacker, like the tight ends and the running backs out of the backfield. It's given the Broncos trouble for years. So Justin Sternad, everybody was kind of really hyped about him saying, hey, this is going to be our cover linebacker that we've needed for so long. And he, he kind of turned some heads in training camp. He had pretty good. He looked pretty good. But then he suffered a wrist injury and he spent his whole rookie season on reserve. So he kind of had a hype moment after the draft leading up to the season. Then everybody kind of forgot about him. And then this past summer, he had a pretty good camp. He had a pretty good preseason. But I think, again, because you have Josie Jewell and Alexander Johnson, they're your basically uncontested starters, or at least they were. And I think everybody kind of forgot about Justin Stranat again. But now he's going to be thrust into the starting spot. And it'll be interesting to see, like, was the hype merited? Is he going to be a good cover linebacker for them? Or it, even if he is a good cover linebacker, like, is he going to be good enough against the run? Will he be Josie Jewell level against the run? I'm not sure about that. So it's going to be interesting to see that he's going to have to step up. And they also, obviously, this year in the third round, they used uh, a pick to select Ohio State's Baron Browning. And people are excited about him. But in the spring, he had his own little... Uh, injury and that set him way back for uh, spring and even training camp he's been way behind even now I think he's still playing catch up on the defense uh, against the Jaguars he only played on special teams and that was even after Josie Jewell left so I think Browning long term I think they like him but I think initially he's not going to jump Sternat, especially if Sternat is playing well so he's a guy to kind of put in the back of your mind for down the road but at the moment, it will be Justin stepping up for Jewel. Nice to have the Jets on the schedule to go out there, get some good quality reps. I'm oh, sorry, John. I keep doing that. Can you tell I'm a Patriots fan? Can you tell? I hate the freaking Jets. I do. I can't stand the Jets. Uh, but that's the Broncos' next opponent. It's not quite the Ravens yet. They still got to win this game against the Jets. John and I will get into that matchup coming up next. This is the Typical Sportsbook Minute. Let's make this interesting. Hello, I'm Essam McLaren of Bet Slippin' Podcast and SportsbookWire.com here with my colleague Jeff Clark to break down the Week 3 Monday Night Football game between the Philadelphia Eagles and the Dallas Cowboys. The Eagles are plus 3.5 road underdogs, minus 110 odds. I love that bet. It's one of my favorites of the week. Jalen Hurts, his mobility is going to be able to exploit that Dallas Cowboys defense that was without defensive end Demarcus Lawrence for the second straight week. It held up for the Dallas last week against the Los Angeles Chargers. I think Hertz can exploit it. And that Philadelphia defense through two weeks has been fantastic. I like them to keep this within a field goal on the road. Jeff? Yeah, I'm going to follow you on this one. Also take the Eagles plus three and a half on the road in Monday Night Football because of the defense. Their defensive line is going to make it really tough for an albeit a great Dallas offensive line, but the Eagles are first in points per play on the defensive end, and I think their defense is going to do enough to keep this game close, plus Jalen Hurts as a gamer. Go with the Eagles, plus three and a half. 
That was your Tipico Sportsbook Minute. For a limited time, new users in Colorado and New Jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast. See Tipico.com for terms and conditions. 21 plus only gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. All right, John, the latest spread on the Tipico Sportsbook is 10.5. Broncos are home against the Jets, 10.5-point favorites. I don't know if there's a spread that I wouldn't back the Broncos on with this game. And again, it's just because uh, I was subjected to four terrible quarters of football this past weekend. The Patriots, they look like garbage. The Jets, they look like even, you know, some, whatever's below garbage, that's what they look like. Zach Wilson just looked like the deer with the headlights type deal through four interceptions. And uh, it wasn't, I wish, you know, being a Patriots guy, John, I wish I could say, oh yeah, Belichick, you know what he does against rookie quarterbacks. He dialed it up. They really didn't dial it up. They didn't really have to. It was just kind of get pressure on the kid. And he goes, oh no, pressure. And just throws the ball up and easy interceptions for the Patriots. They weren't like great plays. A couple of them were, one was a tip ball, but it was unbelievable. He had three interceptions in the first half. Another one in the second half as the Patriots kind of put the game away. Zach Wilson looks like he is uh, struggling, and I don't like his chances at Denver at all. You know, being on the road in that hostile environment, you know, with the way that defense is playing with their defensive backs, I just think this is going to be a very good game for Denver, and I would back them at ten and a half, and I would back them at more than that number if I had to. Uh, but right now, ten and a half, I'm taking the Denver. It's not even a lean. It's a it's a very confident bet that the Broncos will cover this spread, John. What do you think? Well, I, I'm honestly a little surprised. Like, I'm with you that I'm not picking Zach Wilson. And I, I think the Broncos should win, and I definitely will pick the Broncos to win. But 10.5 is a lot of points, especially because last week against the the Jaguars, they missed two field goals. And if those two field goals are made, the Broncos still win, but it's by four points instead of 10 points. I know the Jets aren't the Jags and their kicker situation is different, but I'm just saying like as an example, even though the Broncos-Jags game wasn't close, like the scoreline could have been closer than it was at the end. And I think the Jets game, I, I have a feeling it might be similar. Like I think the Broncos will handle business and think they'll have no problem beating New York. But the final scoreline, like what if it's just like a nine point difference? Like that's still, you can still handle them. And the Jets like say they get a return for a, a touchdown and they just like, they make it like that's a possible. nine point game that's right at the end. Possible. Like, We've seen yeah, it. it's possible. So I'm not, I'm not totally sold on winning by 11. Like I could see it happen, but I'm not going to rush out and tell people to rush out and, and predict an 11 point win for Denver. It, it definitely could happen. I'm just, I just think the NFL and especially because everybody is expecting the Broncos to blow them out of the water. And I don't think the Broncos are necessarily going to get too confident, but it's just sometimes when things line up so perfectly and like, we're joking already, like the Broncos are already three and and we're only joking, but like, I feel like some people kind of feel that way, that this is just a gimme game. And sometimes when that happens, you kind of stumble a little bit. And the Jets, they're going to get up for this game. And I feel like Zach Wilson, after having a four-interception performance, I bet they're going to put a strong emphasis on protecting the ball. Like the yes. coaches are going to. And just in his mind, I'm sure he's going to be like, okay, I can't do that again. Maybe he'll take some more sacks. Maybe he'll throw some away. And he like maybe he will th- still throw a couple interceptions, but I don't think we're going to have an, a repeat of a four interception game. So it, I don't know. I just I am picking the Broncos to win. I don't want to act like I'm 
I'm doubting the Broncos' chances to beat up the Jets. I just, 10 and a half to me, that's a big, big spread. It's a lot of points. It is a lot of points. But let me put it to you this way. The Jets were at home last week against a Patriots team, John, with their own rookie quarterback, right, Mac Jones. And let me tell you what the Patriots did. They handed the ball off, and they punted, and they kicked field goals, and they won by 19. So I just think the Broncos are a better <laughs> off. They're a more advanced offense than the Patriots are right now, and that's all the Patriots did, I promise you. They handed it off, punted, and kicked field goals. And you know they won going away on the road. This is in Denver with a rookie quarterback. And I agree. I Actually, I almost cut you off because it was such a, a good take by you and a good point. They are going to not let Zach Wilson throw four interceptions. And you know what I think they're going to do? They're going to put the training wheels on Zach Wilson. I think the big difference in last week's Jets-Patriots game was that the Patriots had the training wheels on Mac Jones. They're managing him. They're not letting him just chuck the ball all around. And the Jets are just letting Zach Wilson be Brett Favre. And he's just <laughs> chucking it all over the place. It's out of control. And then he's on the sideline looking at the tablet by himself. He doesn't have a coach with his arm around him, like, pumping him up. It's like they keep showing him on the sideline by himself. I'm like, what are the Jets doing? And it's just so Jets. Uh, you know, for me, over, over here, AFC East guy, like, I'm just, it's so Jets. They're going to ruin another quarterback. They might have already done that in two weeks. Uh, they're just completely killing the poor 21-year-old or 22-year-old Zach Wilson. Uh, so I, I do think the Broncos can cover this spread. And I think the over-under at 41 and a half, I would go under because I think they're going to put the training wheels on Zach Wilson. They're going to focus on the run game. They're going to focus on maybe managing him for a change because even the coach, uh, Robert Sala, was uh, talking about that after the game, being like, oh, you know, we got to – I mean, we got we to gotta dumb it down. We got to help him out a little bit. We got to manage this kid a little bit. I think he realized it post game that they let him like sling it around a little too much. I think they're going to overmanage Zach Wilson. They're going to dumb it down. They're going to have a very vanilla kind of game plan. And I think that plays into the Broncos' hands. I don't think there'll be a lot of points scored in this game. So I like the Broncos to cover the spread, but I also like the under at 41.5. What do you think about the total? Yeah, I think I could definitely see it being fewer than 41.5 points because even last week the Broncos beat up the Jaguars and they only scored like 23 points. Right. And so like maybe you still got like a touchdown because the Jets are worse than the Jags. So say they score 30 points, but if the Jets are held to like only one touchdown or even you could give them 10 points and that would still just be 40 combined points if the Broncos got 30, if it was like a 30 to 10 score. So and it may not even be that like I might be generous with the Broncos. Maybe they only get 23 or 24 like they just did in Jacksonville. And the Jets, as you're saying, if, if they're not if they're going to be with their young rookie quarterback, like, hey, let's not let's use our running backs. Let's manage the game. Let's calm down like that's not going to lead to a lot of points against the Broncos really big town to defense. So I could definitely see it being, I predict it to be under 41 and a half for sure. I'm just, I'm not sold on 10 and a half though, but you maybe we can talk about it next week. One of us is going to be <laughs> That's right. wrong. So that's right. We'll see. We'll see what happens, John. And it, it's just unbelievable. I mean, I'm, I'm jogging my memory back to that game. It's like the Jets would run it well. They'd run it like for seven or eight yards on first down, and then Zach Wilson would throw an interception on second and short. <laughs> it was just unbelievable. <laughs> like, you can't make this stuff up. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I was giddy coming in. I always have fun doing the pod, John, but I was giddy this week to come in, not only to talk about the 2-0 and Broncos, but to crap all over the Jets. It's a, you know, so that, it's two, two, you know, that was really – this is an enjoyable one for me. I don't know if you could tell. I, I kind of enjoyed this segment. Yeah, that's good. I'm glad that the Jets' misery can give lift your spirits when you're poo-pooing the Broncos and their too easy schedule. <laughs> hey, I didn't quite put the asterisk on them. I did not. Um, but, you know, I, hey, look, the Broncos are about to be 3-0. and Looking forward to that. We'll talk about it next week. We'll catch you then. Go, 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 go
This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.